Are you glad to be in church? Would you say amen? Amen. Amen. I want to invite you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians, Paul's letter to the church in Philippi. We're going to be looking in chapter 3 from Paul's letter to, to the church. And I'm thankful to be able to bring God's word to you this morning. I pray it will be a blessing to us all as we hear from God's word this morning. I may, I may do that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I may have to sit down. <laughs> yes, I appreciate that. Would you, uh, would you join me in standing? If I'm going to be tired, so can you. Amen? No. <laughs> Out of reverence for God's Word, uh, we want to read God's Word together. Philippians chapter 3, I want to begin reading with verse number 4. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. I want to know Christ, Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained all this, or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. God, thank you for your word, the truth of your word for us today, your people. May we, may we be faithful to listen to your word. May we be courageous enough to do your word. God, I pray that your word would ring true in our hearts today. We give you this time. We ask you to bless it, use it. May you receive the glory and honor today. In Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen, amen. You may be seated. I want to ask you a question this morning. What would you be willing to do to gain something of value? What would you be willing to do to gain something of value? As soon as I asked that question, many of you probably thought something like I do. When I'm asked a question like that, would you be willing to do this? A lot of times my kids will ask me, Dad, will you be willing to do this for me? Would you be
willing to help me obtain this or whatever it may be? And usually my response is this, and maybe it is with you as well. It depends on what it is. Amen? And it depends on what it costs. Amen? In so many realms of our lives, we try to squeeze the most benefit out of the least amount of hardship or sacrifice. In other words, how much can I get for the littlest effort it is to me? For example, there's a couple of things that, that we do in our lives, uh, sometimes through various seasons of our life. Uh, one of those things that, that I've done over the years is, is I've tried to lose weight at various times in my life. And that's something of value. I want to be in, in a good health. I want to be able to, to, to live a while and, and make the most of my life. So I want to take care of myself. So when I think about gaining something of value and it comes to dieting, I definitely say, how much can I get for the least amount of effort? Amen? What diet can I go on that's still going to allow for dairy ripple? Amen. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. You know, I could do so well on a health plan if it wasn't for that little shop. I'm so gracious and thankful for the local businesses we have. I'm so saddened that October 18th is coming too soon. But now it's time to give a little bit more, right? So that we can gain a little bit more value when it comes to that. But no, Maybe it's losing weight and we want to think, you know, what can I still eat and still gain the benefits? For me, there's, there's sometimes that we want to acquire things or we have a, a passion and a desire for certain things in our life, material things. I don't think it's a bad thing to have nice things. I think God has blessed us and he gives us opportunity, but I also think we have to be reasonable in that. For me, there's this, there's this website that I use that I use it too often. And many of you do the same thing. Amazon and eBay, you know what I'm talking about. It's We acquire things. I, I opened my garage yesterday because we're having some car issues and somebody came by to look at the car. And, and I said, you got to excuse our boxes. They said, oh, I see you have an Amazon addiction too. Yeah, they're piled up everywhere. But for me, it's it, I have these certain things that I'll always go look at if I have downtime. I'm, I'm always shopping for the same thing. And, and I'm on eBay, and, and my wife will say, what are, you looking, what are you looking at? And I said, well, I'm just shopping. She's like, well, what are you shopping for? I said, you don't want to know. Well, why not? Well, because it's the same thing I always shop for. It's golf clubs. Well, you have 10 sets in your garage. Yeah, I know, but there might be one of value out there that I still need to get. For my son, he's, he's taken into that addiction as well. And I'll say, Ian, what are you looking at? What do you think I'm looking at, Dad? Yes, I know. Probably shoes, right? Yes, Dad. Yes. These shoes are, these shoes, Dad, if I buy these shoes, I can flip them and I can make money and I can get something of value. And I say to him, what's it going to cost me? You don't have a job. You don't have a bank account. What's this going to cost me so that you can gain something of value? You know, you have something in your life that you value, but you desire to give the least amount of effort to continue to increase that value. Whatever the context of gaining value is, 
some of these things in life, they, they make us think differently about our approach to things. How much are we willing to give up to gain something of value? Something must be sacrificed for us to gain something greater. Something must be sacrificed in order for us to gain something greater. And I believe that today that's what Paul is telling us from God's Word. And I want us to look a little bit closer at what the Lord is trying to show us. Something that's very valuable, but we have to be willing to risk something. I've entitled this message, Our Greatest Risk, His Greatest Reward. And sometimes I wonder if there's if that give and take with God really affects our Christian walk more than we are willing to admit. And how much are we willing to risk when it comes to our faith, when it comes to how much we love the Lord in order to get what He wants us to get? I want us to talk about this for a moment. What is our greatest risk as Christians? Let me, let me put a premise out there for us today. I believe that our greatest risk as followers of Christ is living out our lives in such a way that we put our confidence in the wrong place. That we put our confidence in the wrong place. I believe we as Christians, we put our confidence in many different things as we walk this faith journey. And sometimes I believe that we put our confidence or we put a lot of confidence in our church. We put a lot of confidence in our church. You see, Paul is writing to the church. Paul is not writing to the outsiders. He's not writing to the unbelievers. He's writing to the church. So therefore, there must be some confidence put into the structure of the church. These people in the context of the church in Philippi, if you read the whole, the whole book, there's only four chapters there. I'd encourage you to go read that. They're dealing with some confidences in the church that are creeping in, that are making them unsettled. You see, the people were debating and being persecuted about church requirements for membership in the church of Philippi, if you will. Now, they're, they're struggling because the Jewish church is telling the Gentile believers, if you want to really be true followers of the way, you must do this certain thing. You must become circumcised to be like us and to be a part of the way. And Paul is coming in trying to dismantle this myth. He's trying to encourage the people to say, you know what, there are certain requirements of the church, but our whole confidence should not be in that. There is certain ways that the Jewish church does things, but we're not them. There are certain things that you are struggling with, that you are tripping over in, the, in realms of the church, that we need to be able to deal with and move past. Paul was in the process of reminding them, yes, the church is very important, but we cannot put so much value and confidence in something that is not the real purpose for why we exist. Did you realize that the church is not why God created you and me? Got really quiet. This facility, this Church, this move of ministry is not the purpose that God had for you and for me. 
that is not the ultimate thing. Yes, it's very important. Yes, it's beneficial to our lives. But it is not the purpose for why you and I were created. So, therefore, we cannot put all of our confidence in the church. Let's talk about it for a minute. The church today, we've probably put too much confidence in our structure of church today. Let me give you some examples. We have security blankets in our faith from, from our church. You might want to come talk to me later if you disagree, but really some of these security blankets are real. They're things that are important to us. They're things that we resource, that we value. The church building, the grounds. Why is that so important to the structure of the church? It, it's, it, we, we have a safe place to come, amen? We have a safe place to grow and to, to fellowship and to have relationships. It's a, it's a place with sweet memories of family, of, of God moving. It's, it's a place of prominence in our community. People know where Pittsfield Church of the Nazarene is. What an incredible location we have for this incredible tool that God has given us. Amen? 227 West Washington. What an incredible place to serve the Lord. It's a security blanket in some ways. We put confidence in the ministry of our church. Small groups give us a place to have a comfortable setting to meet with friends and family. A comfortable setting where we can grow spiritually and grow relationally. We have incredible worship services. You come in and it's not the same as worshiping on your couch. I get that. We have incredible services where the Holy Spirit falls. Our emotions are stirred. And we walk out of here alive and revived. And we're excited. Amen? The ministry of our church provides us with opportunity to spend time with friends and family. Well, what does that signify? Acceptance. Love. Care. The church is not a bad place to put confidence. The church is not a bad place to really get grounded and really have a place to serve and love the Lord. But the church is not a place where we should put all of our confidence in. Sometimes I believe one of our greatest risks is when we put too much confidence in the church. Another place that I think we put too much confidence in that Paul's reminding us of is our traditions. Paul had to help the church of Philippi deal with the traditions and the rules of the Jewish church imposing them on the Gentile people. You see, the Gentiles were not Jews, and, and therefore they did not need to follow the traditions of the Jewish culture and the, their traditions of the people. It didn't apply to them. It wasn't the same thing. And yet they were, they were being asked to or demanded to live up to that standard. There was confidence in the Jewish traditions. Can I switch over? Is that better? They were putting their confidence in their traditions. You know, we, we, we lived in a place um, before moving here that, that had a, a very traditional setting. And we lived in, in Sand Springs, Oklahoma, 
And if you know anything about the Sand Springs, Tulsa metro area, and, and a lot of Oklahoma, there are a lot of Native American Indians in Oklahoma. And it's an incredible, it's an incredible place to, when you look around, you can just see the traditions. They, they ooze out of the people, of the places. You know, you, you drive down the street and you can't help but notice the names of certain things. And, and things that we can't even pronounce. And it's, it's part of the tradition. So much so that there's some overlap. Now, I can tell you this. In the, in the almost two years that we lived there, I was never invited to go attend any traditional Native American ceremony or anything like that. However, their traditions did overlap into our everyday life. And let me just give you an example. When we had to go, how many of you here drive a car? How many of you just don't want to raise your hand? Yeah, no. So if you're going to drive a car, there's certain things you have to do to make it legal so that you don't get pulled over and stopped and all of this stuff. Well, in Oklahoma, all of the tag offices are operated by the Native Americans. And I thought that was kind of interesting that everyone has to go to the tag office to get tags for their cars, but it's operated by the tribes, the Native American tribes. And so their traditions come through to us in our everyday life. In other words, if you want to drive a car in Oklahoma, you have to go to the tag office and your money is going to help their traditions and their lifestyle and their way of life. They've intersected everyone's life. You see, but I was never forced to do anything out of my comfort zone why? Because I'm not Native American. I'm not the same that they are. I don't have the same traditions. I don't have the same, the same thinking that that's as important to me as it is to them. It doesn't make it wrong. It doesn't make it right. It's just different. It's traditions that I don't have. And I wonder at times if when we look at God's Word, we see the same thing happening where the Jewish culture was trying to force their traditions on the Gentile people. And it was making them uncomfortable because they didn't realize how much tradition there was. They didn't realize how many rules and regulations that, that they were expected by their Jewish brothers and sisters to follow, even though they weren't Jewish. And Paul is trying to help them to see, guys, we can't put all of our confidence in these traditions that again are not the purpose for why we exist. I wonder what people think of our traditions. Do we put our confidence in our traditions? Again, they're not bad things. But do we put things in, in places in our lives because traditions are things that have helped us. They've created memories for us. They've created special moments for us. And so they become important to us. But I wonder if somebody from the outside were to come in and they would see some of our traditions and we would say to them, we have so much confidence that this is going to matter to you that we want you to live this way. What do you mean, Pastor? We want you to worship this certain way if you come here. Why? Because it's traditional. We come in, we sit down, we welcome you, we sing some songs, we pray, and then we hear this guy get up and talk to us for a little bit. Why is that so important? It's traditional. That's what we do. So you need to come and you need to do this. And we put this tradition in the ways we worship. 
Or, or maybe we put tradition in ways that we celebrate. Anybody had a birthday recently? We celebrate life. We celebrate holidays. We celebrate different things. What is that? That's traditions. It's traditions. If somebody from another country came in and there's, why are you doing this? Well, because it makes us feel good. It gives us a sense of purpose. It gives us something to look forward to. It, it, it gives us something of value in our life that we want to hold on to. However, there's times where I think we put too much confidence in our traditions. And I think what I, when I'm reading this passage, I believe Paul is trying to help us to realize it's okay to have traditions. It's okay to have a church, but it's not okay to put all of our confidence in those things. Amen? One of our greatest risks when we're trying to obtain something of value is that we put our confidence in the wrong place. Maybe it's the church. Maybe it's the tradition. I believe there's a lot of us that we put a lot of our confidence in ourselves. Paul begins to list a lot of his accomplishments in verses 4 to 6. I want to reread these to you. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, Paul says, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, tradition, rule of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, status, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, again, status. He knew all the laws. He kept all the laws. As for zeal, persecuting the church, if they're wrong, I'm going to tear them down because it's not the way we believe. If anybody did it better, you can't find them, Paul says. I had the most zeal. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. If anybody could have earned their way to heaven according to the standards of the Jewish tradition and law, it was Saul. And Paul is telling us, as we read this letter, if anybody has reason to boast about themselves, it's me. I wonder if there's times in our lives where we realize maybe it's because we've, we've been hurt, maybe it's because we've been burned, maybe it's because we've experienced hardships and, and we've tried to obtain value in something, but we've, it's cost us too much. And I wonder if times we think, you know what, I just can't depend on anybody else. i got to do it on my own. And we begin to build up our own strength. We begin to build up our own giftedness. And we begin to do things in our own. And we're good at it. And we, and we do things and we're good at it. And we become good and we begin to, maybe it's in your job and you begin to climb that ladder and you keep going and going. And all of a sudden, you're at the top rung. You've made it. And yet I've, I've talked to so many different people. I've been one of those people. And yet there's something missing. There's something missing. I put all my confidence in myself and I've gotten to a place where I thought that was something of value. But then I felt empty. It wasn't everything that I'd hoped for. Paul's saying, if anybody has reason to boast about self, it's me. Sometimes I wonder when we put our confidence in ourself, if it forms our identity. Where's our identity as a Christ follower? Is it in the church? Is it in our traditions? 
is it in what we do? You see, if our identity is in all of those things, it's not in the right place. Amen? But what does a real Christian look like? What does a real Christian look like? Now, I'm not asking us to think about what a Christian should look like or what they should believe. I think we can agree on some of those things. But I'm asking us today to think about if we're going to attain something of value, we've got to be willing to risk something of value to us. That's our identity, our self. What does it look like? What does a real Christian look like? Is the Christian you picture... Is the Christian you picture somebody who's patriotic? Somebody who votes Republican all the way up and down the the ballot? Is that the picture of a Christian that you see? Is the picture of a Christian you see somebody who doesn't drink alcohol or smoke or or do drugs or anything like that? Is Is the picture of a real Christian to you somebody who exhibits personal authenticity? Does the Christian you picture, a real Christian, do they struggle with depression? Or do they struggle with addiction? You see, if we're not careful, we begin to shape the identity of what it means to be a Christian based on our own comfort levels and our own understandings. And we weave in our own standards into what we think it means to be a Christian. And pretty soon, our identity as a Christian is characterized by all sorts of cultural markers, all sorts of places and things and confidences that are not the real purpose. In order for us to experience God's greatest reward, we've got to be able to give up something we value to attain something of greater value. Well, what is that? I believe what Paul's trying to teach us is that what we have to give up in order to gain the greatest reward is we've got to give up ourselves. We've got to give up ourselves. Our greatest risk is confidence in the wrong place. But what is God's greatest reward for us? Let's talk about that for a minute. God's greatest reward, the greatest reward that God has for each and every one of us is the ability and the opportunity to live with the power of Jesus Christ in our lives. Amen? In other words, as Paul puts it, God's greatest reward is gaining Christ. Let me remind you, verse 7 through 11, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. Why? For the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. He goes on to say, I consider them garbage. Here it is. That I may gain Christ. I think a good Christian who translated this passage into English, one of the G-rated version of that sentence. Because what Paul is really saying is, I'm going to try to keep it G, 
illustrated as well, because I know we have kids in here as well. But that word garbage, I don't think we understand that. Maybe it's because our tradition is to take the garbage out every week and somebody takes our garbage away and it's gone. And if you forget, then your garbage piles up. We do that at our house sometimes. We forget. It's not fun. It stinks, literally. Are you awake? Does your garbage stink? Okay, just making sure. Paul's saying, I consider all those gains garbage. That original term that he's using is, is waste, is manure, is sewage. It's the filthiest filth you can imagine. And Paul says, everything I've gained, everything of value that I've tried to attain, everything I've put my confidence in, it's sewage. It's nasty. It's gross. It's horrible. Why? Because all I want is the greatest reward I can get, and that's to gain Jesus Christ's power. That's good news, folks. The greatest reward is to gain Christ. If we want to get something of great value, something that's a great reward, we've got to be willing to give up something of value. And in order for us to gain Christ, that greatest reward to experience the power of Jesus Christ in His death and His resurrection, it's really simple. It's really simple. If you want to get the greatest reward that God has for each and every one of us, it's really easy. You want to know how to do it? Nobody? You came to church on a Sunday in October and you don't want to know how to get the greatest reward God has for you? Let's just pray. You can stand and uh, we'll just go. You don't need to know it, right? It's really easy. you got to give up yourself. we got to die to self. we got to give up our value in things that we think our confidence is in. God says to us, I believe he's saying it to me a lot lately, he's saying, you know what, you've put confidence in this church thing for a long time, DJ. You've been in church for 37 years. I know I don't look that old, but I was on the second few day three of my life. It's true. There's, there's many ways that I can relate to Paul. If any, anybody has reason to boast about being a Nazarene, it's me. I'm a third generation Nazarene pastor. I'm a fourth-generation Nazarene. I was born on the second pew in a revival, for crying out loud. I put a lot of confidence in this thing called church. I put a lot of confidence in the traditions. I've taught traditions. I've lived them out. I, I've asked other people to come alongside me in those traditions. And in fact, I've probably put a lot of confidence in myself. If I'm going to be honest, there's probably been times where I got done and I thought, you know what, man, I did good. Lord, forgive me. Forgive me of any pride, of any boasting in self, of any confidence that's in the wrong place. Because I want to gain something that matters even more. I want to gain Christ and the power of His resurrection. Wow. It's easy. All we have to do is give up something we value most. We have to die to ourselves. Paul's reminding us today, as he did with the church in Philippi all those years ago, in order to gain everything, 
we must be willing to risk it all. All that we think we have control over, we've got to give it up. All of the rights we think we have, we have to surrender. All of the traditions and the rules that we think are so important, we have to turn them in. All of our wants, all of our desires, do they match up with His? We have to risk our lives to truly experience the greatest reward God has ever given us to gain Christ. We can walk in His power every day. We can experience joy and peace and power in our lives right this very moment. We can know the power of God through Jesus Christ as we surrender what we value most, our life, for His reward. One final thought to continue this process from Paul's words here. Paul concludes this section of his letter with a challenge, and I think it's a hopeful reminder of how this continues to happen. Let's look again at verses 12 to 14. This happens through a continual process. We must live out as we risk it all to gain it all. Listen to these words. Paul's saying, Not that I've already obtained all this, or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Amen? I press on towards the goal. Why? To win the prize to gain something of value. What is that? That which God has called me heavenward. It's Christ Jesus. Let me close with this thought. If we're truly going to experience the greatest reward from God, we must surrender what we value the most. Jesus hasn't required anything of us that He hasn't already done Himself. Amen? Think about that for a minute. Jesus, God's Son, He was there at creation. He sat at the right hand of the Father through all of the Old Testament, if we want to think of it in terms of, of that. Jesus had the splendor and the glory of heaven. He had it all. He had everything. And He sat there when His Father looked at Him and said, Son, they just don't get it. I need you to go. I need you to go. And I don't want you to just go and preach a few good sermons and do a few miracles and then come back. I need you to go and die. I need you to give up all of this and die. Why? So that they, you and I, can have that with Him forever. Wow. Jesus already has done it. And He says to us, if you want to experience 
the greatest reward my Father has for us. I'm asking you to do the same. Will you surrender what you value most so that you can experience the greatest reward? Indeed, Paul says, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Are you willing to risk it all to gain it all? Amen? Would you stand with me this morning? As you close your Bibles and put your notes away or gather your thoughts and before you start thinking about what's for lunch or the next thing on your to-do list today, would you just close your eyes and bow your heads for a moment? We've all just been presented with the truth of God's Word. We've all been presented with something we've probably heard before if we've been in church long enough. Paul's writings, this great Christian man, we learn a lot from him. But what is he really saying to us today? Would you think about this for a minute? Where's your confidence today? Where's your hope? Where's your greatest love directed right now? If it's not on sacrificing yourself and giving yourself up so that you can gain Christ, then we need to make an adjustment. Maybe the Holy Spirit's prompted you today. You need to adjust your settings. You need to re-examine where your confidence is. Because if you're putting a lot of hope and risk into something that is not our sole purpose, if you risk it all, you may lose it all. But God has a plan so that we can gain it all. Jesus Christ, and the power of His resurrection. Father God, we come to You at this moment in time. Wherever our lives' paths have directed us to this point, we are here in this place, in this moment, listening at this time, because we have a divine appointment with Your Word. You've spoken Your Word to us today, God, and if You would do us the great privilege, Lord, of examining our hearts right now. Examine our hearts. Come close, Lord. We wouldn't be here if we didn't desire you to come close. God, would you just come close in this this moment? Would your Holy Spirit surround us in this moment? And would you begin to go through all of those compartments in our life? Those places where we put our confidence in? Those places that we value? Would you begin to search through those, God? And if there's any, Lord, that you need to pull out and reveal to us that we need to address, would you make it clear to us today? If the Holy Spirit's done that for you today, I pray that you can pray a prayer of surrender this morning. God, I surrender my life to you. I give you every compartment of my life. I give you every 
old file, every unconfessed sin that there may be hidden in my life, God, I give it to you. Any, any misplaced confidence, God, I give it to you. May I not ever boast in myself or in, in things that I think I've done or the traditions that I keep, but God, I want to boast in the power of your resurrection power. God, would you forgive us if we need forgiven? Would you come close to us and would you bless us with the greatest reward we can ever experience? We want to know you and the power of your resurrection. Thank you for giving us access to your greatest reward for us. Help us to continually press on to trust you and to continue to run the race to win the prize that you've called us heavenward for. We pray all of this in Jesus' powerful and precious and wonderful name. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. I want to invite you to please take your conversations outside. Thank you for being here. God bless you. Have a great day.